0: Welcome to The Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco.
1: Hey guys, I have with me today workplace futurist, Marty Constant. She is the best-selling author of Activate Your Agile Career, uh, she has an B- MBA from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business and is a former tech exec who has worked in Silicon Valley. As a top career influencer, she has been featured in many media outlets, including NBC Chicago, Forbes, The Muse, and she's worked in companies like Samsung, Dow Jones, and Apple. Um, the reason I'm so excited to speak with her is that she is an expert in applying agile principles to workforce development. So Marty, welcome. I've been really excited to do this chat.
0: Same, Virginia. I was really looking forward um, to chatting with you. Have followed your work on Clubhouse and other areas. And oh my goodness, there's just so much to learn about resumes, which is something... That oh my gosh, do and job search. And you, yeah,
1: and you never, you never stop learning, that's for sure. Um, well, how, so how did you make the pivot from working at the you know, the apples of the
0: world to doing what you're doing now? Uh, it was a technology trend. Uh, I, I noticed that um, I was in marketing. So I was chief marketer, VP of marketing at tech companies. And I noticed that the engineers were, uh, had, had adopted years ago the software development processes, which included Agile. Mm -hmm. I just became addicted to how they ran their meetings, how they developed software, how they released um, incremental versions of their software. And I was so fascinated by it. I thought this type of thinking could apply to the management of one's own career. So 10 years ago, I looked well ahead of the yeah. curve on that one. Yeah, so I looked for career agility. It didn't exist ten years ago, so I invented the definition.
1: That is so cool. Did you
0: did you trademark it? I try to remember. No, and it's interesting you asked that. I was just talking with someone recently when I was a VP of marketing. Very often, when you're building a business, your boss, the CEO, will say, "Marty, you should trademark that phrase." <laughs> And guess what happens when you trademark a phrase? No one else can use it. Right, right. It's attributed to you. And then the likes of Gartner and all the analysts will not attribute it to a space. So if you're building a space and you trademark it, the analysts will not cover it as a space that you can compete in. Oh, so it hurts your brand or your brand
1: recognition. That's interesting. I had no idea.
0: There's yeah. no, hard, there's no hard and fast rules about this. It's just that when you're a growth stage tech company or you're an independent like you or, or I are, it's very expensive to, you know. I put TM after names, but that doesn't really protect no. you legally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about copyright and it's about registering that trademark. So if you've got an R in that trademark, it means something. If you have a TM. Right. It's subject to interpretation. Who really owns that? So you can throw no, that's it fair. Ahead. A lot of people do it.
1: Well, I attribute the career agility with to you. So we will, I, I give you founders founders credits on that one. And I think you're well well ahead of the curve. Um, so you work with a whole slew of different job seekers, and you, I'm sure you saw a lot of different kinds of career paths being formed when you worked in in marketing and. and for those tech firms, are there a couple of sort of common challenges that you see facing people that are, either looking to make a career change or just looking to land a new job?
0: Well, there's different terms. There's career switchers, career changers, right. and there's the people that incrementally evolve. And that's why there's terms like upskilling and reskilling. Upskilling is is adding some skills of what you already know. Reskilling can be a total reinvention. Uh, So if we're going to talk about the reinvention that people are going through, um, it's much more common. Actually, it's always been common, but it's very common now because many of the jobs that exist today won't exist in five years. Right, right. Um, You know, back in 2007, if you weren't adding the word technology to the back of your profession, you were losing traction. Medical technology, uh, marketing technologist, um, fintech, all of these things didn't really exist back then. And so if you weren't able to adapt to that. It was hard for you to stay current. And right Right. now, my advice is AI. If you're not applying the AI and the immersive technology component that's going to be prevalent within the next few years, it's going to be very difficult for you to keep up. And we don't even know what that means.
1: I agree with that. AI is really much like you know much like earlier technologies even 5 7 years ago ai is impacting every industry and in just about every every job function i can think of it is so you're, and people, you're saying that's a key key area of
0: expertise for anyone who is looking to reinvent or to need, upskill yes you need to know about it and you need to know its relationship to robotics So our grade schoolers right now are learning all about robotics because they go to Lego competitions. Lego is no longer a plastic toy company. It is a company that encourages STEM um, and the the science and the technology of it all um, so that these young people are able to compete um, in the universe that they're going to be living in. Um, So yes, robotics and artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence is actually in many ways, our friend. I mean, think about our, our devices that we use when we're navigating in a car. Isn't it great when you make five wrong turns that, that your navigational expert will go with you and correct you and figure you out and get you back to the main road that you want to get to this is all you're right. And it just, it just, to me,
1: it just reinforces that AI is with us. People are using it on a regular basis. It's much more commonplace than people realize. Uh, It's just understanding how, how it impacts your, we're seeing how it impacts our life. You're like, you're right. Because of Google maps and Apple maps and things like that, but how is it impacting your job? What, um, I mean, I see it informing a lot of the data that people are using to create um, KPIs or key performance indicators for their job. And that's from service to sales to retention, you you name it, anything in the customer lifecycle.
0: And I even... I mean, this really isn't AI. It's just database search is... um, You must see this a lot in your profession is all the search engine optimization that happens with these keywords. You can say, oh, I don't want to write to the keywords, but you can write beautifully and you can write cleverly and include those words. I have all kinds of examples of people who have changed even their description underneath their name on LinkedIn, and then they are found the next day by legitimate recruiters. And they they find jobs much quicker. This is database searching. It's not AI, but it's a step to forms of AI.
1: That's true. That's a really good point. No, and you're right. Um, even things like writing um, is where it used to be more of an art. Now it's an art and a science and um, search engine optimization techniques that are fueled by AI. That is That impacts everything. And, and I can't think of one job that's not. That's absolutely true. No, very good point. Well, if you are up for it, I would love to pick your brain. I, although I hate that phrase. I shouldn't say that. You shared an article on LinkedIn maybe earlier this year and you referenced several different curve models to help people manage their life and their career. And I loved it because I felt like they gave people roadmaps for, for challenging times in our life. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to just sort of talk through the different models and let me ask you a couple questions about each so that people can figure out which models might pertain to,
0: to job search. That sounds great. I, I love illustrations and models. It's how we learn. Well, it is a great article and I have your LinkedIn profile
1: um, on your bios. People will definitely be able to access it um, because there's lots of illustrations in there as well. Um, but the first one that you referenced is that I might be pronouncing it wrong, Kubler, Kubler-Ross grief model. Um, the five stages of grief. And I've heard of this model before as it relates to losing a loved one but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how how a grief model applies to job search.
0: Well, I love the fact that you called it the Kubler-Ross model because Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote this seminal book in the 60s about going through this process and it's a curve that dips and goes down and you go into the depths of despair and then you ultimately come to terms with it. And there's a whole process. There's You know, ignoring it, not acknowledging change. But what happened really in the 70s and 80s, it got turned into the change curve. And it's a lot of the technology companies started saying, this is how technology is adopted. People resist it at first they deny it. Denying is one of the first things that people do in grief and in technology and in the change that we're experiencing right now. Look at what happened with the pandemic. Deny right. that it's happening. And then you kind of acknowledge that it's happening. And I won't go through all the steps, but at some point, you once you figure out that you're at the bottom You figure out what can I do to integrate this change into my life and how can I adopt it? And that's when the change curve uh, really gets exciting because then we're adapting and adopting just like we did during the the pandemic. We adapted and adopted to so many changes and we came up with really clever and inventive ways um, to live our lives and to perform and succeed in ways that we may not have been able to before. Well, you referenced
1: that in the um, with the change model and then the the grief model that during times of great change, like a COVID or maybe like a big you know unexpected job search, that some people will become depressed while others will reinvent. And we did, we saw that, and, and we've certainly seen that with the pandemic. What is your advice on helping people avoid going down the depression route if that's possible, and to you know? to really sort of fast be able to reinvent jump into the reinvention spot
0: phase more quickly is that possible it is possible it's it's a strategy but let's talk about there's two things going on here you may not be equipped to respond to it because you did not have a strategy for it so say you know after 15 years your job is gone what do you do um, the one thing for those people is to really acknowledge the grief. I mean, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross hit it right. You've got to acknowledge the grief and what is happening and there's soul searching and there's the kinds of self-assessment that goes on before you reinvent. And it's, it's, it's a human condition. Everyone can do this. So that's the good news. The other side that you talked about is can you avoid it? I developed a career agility model and developed seven things that one can do to stay agile and adaptable in the workplace so that you are the one that lands on your feet. And instead of down on your luck, you've got the next job waiting in the near future. And how you do that is you do things like pursue your interests in parallel Uh, That could be training. It could be all kinds of things. It could be um, hobbies. It could be side gigs. But as you're doing this cultivation of your brain and your interests, you're able to jump lanes much easier than someone else. And I'm not going to go through all seven. Right, right. Yeah, it's you know there's also another one. It's called the um, pursuing your career as a series of projects, which I find just extremely valuable when you're thinking about your
1: career and reframing it in that way. I, you know, it's that the pursuing your, or visualizing your career as a series of projects. Um, I feel like that is a great mindset to, if you're able to reframe it in that way, to help people overcome the feeling that their job hopping when they leave every couple of years. Um, because for a lot of people, they are hired to solve a problem. They they overcome the challenge, they, they come up with a resolution and then they're either left maintaining, which doesn't appeal to what, you know, there are people that like to, like to, they like to build
0: and they like to fix. And so then it's time for the next challenge. Yeah. And what people don't realize, Virginia, is you can do this in one company. You can do yeah. this over a period of 10 years. And yeah, it depends on the company, right? But yeah, yeah, you're right. Depends on the company. And uh, the, the, I got this idea really from Reed Hoffman, oh, a dozen years ago. When people would go to work at LinkedIn when he was CEO, his philosophy was if you're not growing and learning, that's not the type of person that he wanted in the organization. So the idea was to be, become really great at what you're doing, master it, and engineer your way into another. Area or a complementary position or a position where you are growing. It just, it was a really phenomenal idea for me, is that it challenged the individual to keep growing and not stagnate. It's like the LinkedIn didn't become, you know, who they are today by stagnating in any way. There's a lot of fresh thinking and fresh ideas that continue to go on in that company as a result.
1: No, I agree. And our our, our mutual colleague, Nicole Shierski, she's a career coach for women in STEM and she was on my podcast earlier in May. Um, she spoke to this on, before jumping ship to a new place, see what challenges you can find within your company that that's often a, it's a more effective and a quicker way to make, to become a career switcher because you have the um, you have the trust, you have the goodwill of that company, um, already built and it's easier to take, to be able to pursue your interests within the company. Cause you might be able to do it, um, uh, as a side project while you're also working in your job. It just, it, it makes for a really fruitful environment to be able to explore new, new avenues.
0: I love her work with her yeah. women's, um, Nicole's work and um, she and I are aligned in a lot of ways. And these, this project mentality is good for so many ways. I, I uh, draw the curve when I talk about, you know, at the beginning, you're really excited and you meet your boss and your boss is really um, encouraged that you're, really committed to the work and you're learning and you're growing, and then you master it. And what happens after you master it? If you can't figure out how to keep yourself interested, your interest is going to wane in that particular skill set. So a a really smart boss, there might not be a job available, but a really smart boss is going to Going to say, oh, you know, there's this special project. Um, it's a cru- uh, it's a multidisciplinary project that's going on around the organization. Your collaboration in this project would be great for the organization. And guess who else it's great for? It's great for you because you're you're, you're meeting other people in the organization. You may be, if the project is uh, is successful, hopefully it is, you're going to gain some credibility and recognition. And you're going to be seen as someone who can do something other than what you're doing in your regular work. I love that. Back to the Kubler, the
1: Kubler-Ross, the change in the, the change models, would you say, is it fair to say then that you can't, you have to acknowledge the grief, but maybe you could get through that process a little bit more quickly and move on to the um, process of adoption and adaptation through, through your career agility models and, and ideas like pursuing your career
0: as a series of projects? I think there's it's yes and it's it's a yes and it all depends on the individual. Some people just need to linger right. a little bit more. Some people need to you know talk to a counselor and right. to figure some things out that just is uncomfortable so about the everyone's decision. on their same timetable. Yeah, everyone's on their so, own timetable. Yeah, they're different, but yes, there are definitely things within that. Um, one of the um, you know one of the principles is responding to change all the time. I I often say when change is happening, don't do nothing. Um, So if there is something like AI or immersive technologies and you can see the train ahead, it's going to be important for you to learn everything you can about it. Maybe take a course, maybe take a masterclass. So much free how-to stuff on YouTube that you can learn in your incremental bits. Um, so that you know, you may only have fifteen minutes a day, but you can learn a lot in fifteen to twenty minutes if it's consistent. No, you're right. And by not doing anything, you're actually
1: you're 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 making a decision that things will happen to you,
0: and you right. have less less control on that. And we're you know we're not talking to uh, the factory workers. We are talking mm-hmm. to people who work. In organizations that are designing things, that are strategizing, that are creating, we are talking to use the term from LinkedIn. We are talking to the creators and the uh, functional areas within corporations that run the business. We're not necessarily talking about the manufacturing process, right? No, or right. That's the trucking process, yes? Or the you know the the travel. But even
1: those are impacted by by these technologies we've seen it so
0: understanding yeah. how it impacts you is important so i mean just you know packages are going to be delivered um you know with drones they're you know packages are going to be delivered with you know the um self-driving trucks
1: this... the logistics by the software by which people are managing their fleets um yeah. and their 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 transportation mates everywhere
0: yes and it's you know, you might say, oh my gosh, you know, but I've been driving, you know, trucks for however long. It's important to to know that no one's job can last forever. No, no. And you, you were saying what,
1: you know, when you let off saying that jobs, your job probably won't exist in five years. I, in some ways, that's sort of exciting because there might be a really fabulous job you don't even know about
0: that hasn't gotten invented yet. Yeah. Like who's, who's going to manage the robots? I mean, there's the term cobot, which I heard about four years ago. And so it's not robot. It's not the person you know that's creating, but it's the person that figures out how to make this work and how for it to be more efficient and meaningful. And then there's the, the robots that become an extension of how you think. I was talking to somebody yesterday. It's like, you know, they lost their phone. And I said, oh, it's so sad that you lost part of your brain. And the person yeah, said, true. Well, and the person said, Well, I don't think of it as my brain. It's just a data storage. And then I started going into the examples about how it helps you think, how it helps you maintain uh, your life in a in a certain way that it it starts yes. to think about completing your sentences when you're
1: No, you it's know, a key business tool, so absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. And you're right. Jobs are are always evolving. I think about even my own, I, I've written for years, but I didn't write LinkedIn profiles the way I have to write them now because I have to factor in, I have to factor in SEO, which I didn't use to. So I had to, I had to adapt and learn the impact of AI on job search so that I could write accordingly.
0: Yeah. I, um, people are very fortunate to work with a professional Resume writer um, for that reason, and um, it's it's interesting to me that people often write their resume after the fact instead of. I mean, admittedly, you have to figure out who you are, but you know, right. resume writer can help you with that. A coach can help you with that. Uh, so there's a bit of branding in. in this mm-hmm. is a team effort, right? We're, you know, we are helpers. In the market, there's, you know, career developers, there's job searchers, right, there's right. LinkedIn trainers, there's, you know. And all of our writing. jobs are to
1: keep abreast of how things are evolving and changing. That's not, your job is, your job is job seekers is to know how your industry is changing, not how resume writing or LinkedIn is changing, right? Right. And so you're when, partnering with someone who understands that is it's valuable.
0: And we also have to be, we have to know enough about those areas. I mean, we're right. on Clubhouse, we're, we're learning, you know, I'm learning about resume writing because it's an important part of what I do. You can't be in the business that you're in or the business that I'm in and not know quite a bit about personal branding. No, like, that's true. You're right. You know, like, is a term I didn't even know. I did not even know that term 10 years ago. Right. So, you know, the, and that you can't you can't be a LinkedIn trainer without being an expert, uh, brander. So there's a lot of, there's, there's overlap and there's complementary, and it it takes, it takes, it takes a huge ecosystem of thinkers, um, to help people in the workplace.
1: A hundred percent. Nope. I agree. Um, so I want to, this was, I thought this, model was fascinating you talked really briefly about the dip model by Seth Godin is it yes. Godin or Godin um, oh, and yes Godin oh, so Godin. thank you um and I thought it's a really interesting model for anyone faced with the decision to quit or to march forward with perseverance um can you explain what the dip is and what's
0: required to get past it to push through hard times yeah so has did, again, all the models, all these curves start to look similar. There's a, there's a depression. There's a dip, and in this case, um, Seth really, you know, challenges people that when is it important to push past, and when is it important. To abandon. And so the dip isn't an absolute model for like, you should always persevere or you should always abandon. It's being mindful um, of paying attention to the signals and making an executive decision. You know, he shows examples of people that abandon ship a little bit too soon. You have to be a bit of a futurist to understand what is actually going to break through and you have to make your bet. Much the way VCs make their bet when they invest in a new technology. No one knows for sure. No, it's a gamble, right? Yeah.
1: And is there... What are your thoughts on tapping into your futurist skills to figure out... When is it time to cut bait or when is it time to keep going and push through?
0: This was more of a, you know, I worked in tech companies and I think if you pay attention to the signals that life is giving to you uh, for a certain length of time, it's important to... Rethink. Um, I'll give an example of a company. We We were working with a mobile security technology. We were just coming up against a wall back in 2006 and 2007. The iPhone came out. We were paying attention that, oh, all of a sudden... These devices, these mini computers, if you will, were all of a sudden extremely vulnerable. Whereas the BlackBerry had been very locked down, you know, right, BlackBerry right. servers and all that. So um, we were able to take a look at what we had been doing. We hadn't gained any traction for our security solution, uh, and we did two things: we paid attention to a technology trend, and then we also paid attention um, to Who's going to be the first adopter? And it was government. So, military Government were the government, first adopters of the iPhone? They were the first adopters of secure mobility. Oh, okay. Obama was the very first president who ever carried a mobile phone. Shocking, really? right? Oh, Nobody my gosh. It. That's crazy. So, what they did. They created something for him. We affectionately called it the Obama Berry. And it, they they put basically two phones together. It, it would have cost a few thousand dollars just to, to get a hold of that phone. But it was the first time. It's like, you know, our leader needs to be connected. And then, you know, uh, out in the military theater, people were using, you know, iPads and, and um, you know, other devices. And we had to figure out, oh my goodness, all of their signals and their mapping could be intercepted. What are we going to do to lock this down? And so this became a, a big part of how I spent like 2007 through 2010 thinking about how to secure these very insecure ends of our networks. So that's an example of there's a trend and I, I, can, I can relate this to jobs as well. But I like to use the things of the trends that people go, oh yeah, I remember, you know, when the iPhone came yeah. out. Because yeah. they they can kind of understand. It. It's like when you use a brand like a Starbucks or a brand like Apple or Tesla, everybody kind of gets it and then they right, can apply right. it to their own life.
1: I love that example. And you and I love what you said about paying attention to the signals that life is giving you. Um Because when you're busy, that can be hard to do. So you need to, we need to make time in our weeks to, to listen, listen to what's going on around us, listen to our gut, listen to what's happening so that you can decide if there's an opportunity or if it is time to abandon and go in a different direction.
0: Or Virginia, if there's danger in front of us. You know, I read a lot about toxic leaders, and mm-hmm. you know, can they be rehabilitated? You know, you know, can they? There, there are like famous people that weren't so nice that have built large companies, and these companies still exist today. Yeah, um, you know, Steve Jobs was not an easy man to no. work for, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't argue with the success of his creativity. Um, and so, when you have um, you know a toxic leader are you going to stay there and try to like single-handedly rehabilitate or are you going to navigate around it and i think sometimes people think oh well you know usually these leaders get replaced and like i'm just going to wait another 6 months and then 6 months turns into 2 years mm-hmm. and then you have stomach aches and headaches and you're you're becoming a shadow of your former self that the right. price of that decision is just really high, so I think no, hey, you're right, a, you're
1: that's, right, that's and that's, that's that's a that's an extreme, and then another sort of less extreme, but it also can be harmful, not dangerous, but stagnancy. If you avoid the signals, you might end up in sort of a dead end
0: situa- dead end career, right? Yeah, the the important thing, uh, I I liken it to a stream, a stream that is moving, is has clear water and it's, it's sparkling and it's vibrant. And, you know, these stagnant ponds are disgusting and they don't smell so good. And, you know, moving water, uh, uh, you know, uh, an example from nature is just a brilliant metaphor for how we should be thinking about our lives. I love that. I love that.
1: Um, well, Marty, I want to talk to you about the S curve or the reinvention curve because it was my favorite, and it talks about how you have to, you know, continually reinvent to stay relevant. And we've talked about that a little bit before. Um, and you, the example you cited was Apple, and I don't know if that's different from what we just spoke about with Obama using the iPhone. Um, but what does reinvention look like to you on a more personal level? Um, and I'd love to talk with you about sort of actionable steps that we can take to ensure relevancy. You mentioned one at the beginning, which is continue to pursue your passions in tandem or your interests. But I just loaded three
0: questions on you at once. So you take one by one, I suppose. Well, I could, I could take one. You know, um, how does one, let's just take the question, how does one reinvent? Um, when I was a chief marketer, and then I became a highly paid contract worker in Silicon Valley uh, doing you know um, programs that I knew how to do, learning some more. During that whole time period, I was paralleling, it took me five years to write my book, Activate Your Agile Career, ton of research. So reinventing can happen um, in, in, in parallel over time, but... There was imposter syndrome that would hit me and go, Marty, you are going into this territory called um, whether it's job search or career development, and you know a lot about um, design. I started, you know, my career out as a designer in technology. Uh, you know a lot about marketing globally. You know a lot about, you know, inbound marketing. What do you know about career development? And so I, I basically took the last 10 years, uh, I didn't reinvent myself overnight, but you know, five, six years later, I have a book. I'm still doing the marketing on the side. Um, I eventually got for the marketing to be on the side and for my book and everything else to be what I was doing full time. And um, I think if it's something that... You really care about, and you have something. And they they say you don't write a book unless you have something of value to add to the world. If you have something of value to add to the world, and it's mission driven, you will get there.
1: But it sounds like you sort of did it slowly by sort of slowly sh- shifting, and now your what was once your main job is now your side gig, and what was once your side thing, your side gig is now your your main role.
0: Yes. And I, you know, I, I stopped being a marketer for other companies a few years ago. I think it was three years ago. And um, the beauty of our competency is I could take what I did for a living and apply it to marketing my business. That's right. So That's a gift that I have. Like you've got writing, you have certain things that you brought to your profession um, some people in job search bring recruiting background. I bring this pattern of going from one level to another to another, and managing groups of people, and um, learning how to be a leader and being a um, a chief marketer with a team of people and building a company and selling it to a you know a, a multi billion dollar company. Um, these are experiences that I have that help people that are in mid-career because I've lived their lives. Right. No, right. those are so, and we always tell people with, with their career switchers, look for the
1: transferable skills. And that's what that's what you did. Yeah.
0: But everybody you brings different. Skills. It's that's like right. The recruiters become the the job searchers. It's like it we all come to where we're at with certain skills. And we build businesses that attract people that are attracted to the skills that we have. Um, so it's like, there's no one of us that are exactly alike. That's,
1: that's true. So you're saying what these skills are part of our brand and, and brands, brands by their nature, right? They, they, they attract or repel. And so you're attracting
0: your people. Right. And you made you made a really good observation. You said, Mari, it seems like you, you know, did it for a while. I challenge every person that's listening to this, you know, today, this podcast, um, what is it that you're doing right now? And what can you be doing? Um, not just as an insurance policy for you, but what can you be doing that really interests you that you can do? on the side and you can learn more about so that you are ready for the future so that you are ready for those roles that are going to be upon us by 2025. I love that. It's
1: funny. My husband is obsessed with cycling. He has his whole life. And so he has just embarked on an outreach campaign with people in cycling companies saying, I will be your oldest unpaid intern. Just let me Take my skills. I just want to learn and be a part of it because he really doesn't care about the money anymore. He just wants to learn, um, so that when he retires, he can maybe do something that he is utterly, utterly passionate about.
0: Yeah, I mean this this idea of intern is funny. Chip Conley, who wrote Wisdom at Work, just a phenomenal book. Uh, He he has tons of resources that help people think about this stage of life. And it happens quite young for some of us, actually. Yeah. This idea of of becoming an intern it's just exciting. Um, it's it's he he talks about that, and my one of my favorite movies is The Intern.
1: Oh my uh, gosh, I love that movie. Just,
0: I think, there's just so many of the phrases in there are so quotable. Now here was a man in his seventies. He wasn't really interested in building a business, but he wanted to help. He wanted to help. A business or an individual. And he also wanted to learn something new. And it was such an enriching experience for the people around him, all the stories around him. You know, people were very judgmental when they first saw him. And once they thought about who he was and how he made them better, they understood They understood what it's like to be a guide on the side, which is what he was. Right, right. Oh, gosh, that's great.
1: Um, Well, goodness, I have taken 45 minutes of your time up. Um, Thank you so much. I would love to hear what or if you could share with others,
0: what is next for you? What's next for me is something that I've been working on for 10 years. I've been working it in parallel with coaching. Actually, coaching came a little bit later. Um, I want to speak broadly and importantly to the world on the importance of being a futurist in your own skin. And I want to speak about it globally. And I am now. And it's taken, it's not something that happens overnight and it's taken a long time. So this is something I am on a mission to bring the future into the present. Love that. So
1: if people want to work with you, keep up with you, find out what you are, what you have, um, what's down the pike for you, I have in your bio, your martyconstant.com website a link to your LinkedIn and then a link to your book on Amazon, Activate Your Agile Career. Are those the best places for people to follow you or do you have others that you want to
0: share? There's one more. Okay. If you go into my LinkedIn profile, there is an area called articles slash newsletters. Um, I have 30,000 people that subscribe to my Agility Think newsletter where I write about job search. I write about career development. I write about LinkedIn. I write about the future, future trends. I very much am an analyst about the, the the future and what it means for all of us in the workplace. So that's where a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of everything happens. And I, I would also suggest in that area, if you have a foundation article in you put it in your LinkedIn articles, my "What is Career Agility?" It's the number one result on Google today, and it has been for years. Comes from my foundation article in LinkedIn. Oh, really? Okay,
1: yeah. Um, so what... people want to subscribe to your newsletter. I'm on your LinkedIn right now, so they go to your page and then they go to your activity, or they go to.
0: You go to your activity, and your activity right. is your current activity of the day, articles, and... those posts. And documents. So you go to articles. Right. Oh, I think I see... Wait, it's LinkedIn has a branding problem with her articles. They do. Google. That's why I want
1: to make sure we talk through this yeah. with people. Okay, click yeah. on any of the article and you can click subscribe.
0: I just did yeah, I- subscribe. And um, my original foundation article was not written as a part of the newsletter series. It was written. It's actually in the same place as all those articles. Was written as a as an article, and you know I was researching you know SEO and you know, we're all told like, well, you know, if you really want to own something, put what is before it and then put your phrase. <laughs> See what happens. Doesn't work so much when you have a website, but apparently um, Google uh, puts a lot of domain authority on LinkedIn. Do they really? Yes. Best kept secret. I know that
1: your profile shows up first. They So they are getting better now because it used to be the articles They didn't Give much domain authority, but you're right. The profile definitely does.
0: Um, The articles rank better than the articles on my website, and I have invested heavily on SEO on my website. Interesting. That's good. And this is like a sidebar thing. You know, backlinks are the secret to SEO. Brilliance, and if you don't have backlinks to famous people and famous sites, it's gonna be very difficult. So until Forbes and Entrepreneur and all these like great, great magazines are, um, you know, linking back to me, it's gonna be hard for my articles to rank. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right.
1: Well, Wardy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and share your thoughts. And and I just I love what you're doing, and you're really helping people. It's helping to equip people for a rapidly evolving mar- uh,
0: marketplace. I feel the same way about your work and I'm you know, honored to be in your circle, Virginia. Thank you, Marty. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.